So for all those joining us online or if you're in a satellite group, welcome, welcome. We're glad you're joining us from Women's Bible Study. If I have not yet met you, whether you're here or online or in a satellite group, my name's Jill. I'm one of the women's pastors here at Christian Assembly Church, and it is a joy and a privilege to get to be with us today as we continue in our study in the book of Jonah. Uh, just a reminder as well that we have an optional offering here. We have uh, little offering envelopes on your tables as well as a QR code you can use, and it's an optional offering, and the money uh, just goes towards some of the costs related to Bible study like tech and videos and the books and those sorts of things. So with all that being said, let me pray for us and then we will jump in. Father God, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thanks for who you are, God. Thank you for the joy and the gift of getting to sing your praises for the last 15 minutes and getting to worship you, God, and thanks for the musicians and the singers and all those who you've given worship gifts to who have been leading us in worship at Bible study. And God, thanks for calling us to be worshipers, Lord, and I just pray that you would help us to continue to worship you and you alone, Lord. Um, forgive us for any ways that we've worshiped other things or other people or ideas or material possessions or whatever it is, Lord, and help us to worship you and you alone. God, thanks for the book of Jonah and what you've been teaching us through this. Be with us tonight as we're in Jonah chapter three. I pray, God, that you would speak. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move, and I pray that you would encourage each woman here, and myself included, Lord, that we would leave closer to you, um, deeper in our commitment to you, Jesus, that we would leave on mission with you, and that we would leave just even more ready to be all in for you, Jesus. So God, we love you. We pray all this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. Well, ladies, as I mentioned, we are in Jonah chapter three. Uh, we're gonna read that in just a second. Quick summary, if you're joining us for the first time, just to catch you up. We're in the book of Jonah. It's a short little book. Main character is a guy named Jonah. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah decides to disobey, goes in an opposite direction. Jonah eventually uh, gets... Uh, in the ocean, he is swallowed up by a fish, spends three days in this fish, the fish vomits him out, and Jonah spends some time praying. So that's where we left off last week was Jonah was spending some time praying. So we pick up in Jonah 3, it'll be on the side screens, and here's what we read in Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. 
And so tonight, what I want us to reflect on is just four points of encouragement. As we read Jonah 3, as we study it, as we reflect on it, I just want to give us four points of encouragement that we can take away with us. And so the first is this. God offers second chances. God The God of the Bible is a God who offers second chances. In Jonah 3, what we see is that Jonah is given a second chance to do what God had already told him to do in chapter 1. If you compare how both these chapters begin, chapter 1 and chapter 3, you'll see the verses on the side screens. Jonah 1 begins by saying, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And then in Jonah 3, we just read it, but it's pretty much... Much the same thing. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So God is saying to Jonah, Jonah, go and do what I told you to do the first time. God is giving Jonah a second chance. The first time that God spoke to Jonah, Jonah disobeyed and ran away. But what we see is that God didn't give up on Jonah. God pursued him and God offers Jonah a second chance to obey. We even see that in Jonah 3, the verses we read, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Maybe you're here tonight or maybe you're with us online and you feel like you've missed your chance to obey God. Or maybe you're living under the regret of past mistakes or disobedience or you're thinking, gosh, if you knew what I've done, God could never use me. There's no hope for me. I missed my chance. My chance is long gone. But God is the God of second chances. Where and how do you need to be encouraged by the truth that God offers us second chances, that God offers us third and fourth and fifth chances, that God is full of mercy and grace and love? No matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how far you've run from God or strayed from his word, God offers you chance after chance after chance to come home and to obey him. The God that we worship, the God of the Bible, is the God of second chances. That's the first thing that I think we see here in Jonah chapter 3. And then another thing I think that we see and that we can learn is this. God's grace should lead us to obedience. God's grace, his unmerited favor on us, his unconditional love for us, his forgiveness, his mercy, God's grace should lead us to obedience. God gave Jonah a second chance, and Jonah took that second chance and used it as an opportunity to obey. Now, we aren't told here in this story how Jonah felt about obeying God. We're not told if he was thrilled to obey God. We're not told the reasons why he chose to obey God. And when we look at chapter four next week, you'll get a better glimpse into one of the reasons why Jonah did not want to obey God in the first place. But what we see here in Jonah chapter three is that Jonah took this second chance and he obeyed God. He stopped running from God and instead he arose and went to Nineveh just as God had told him to do. So here's the thing that we have to remember about God's grace. God is so full of grace and love and mercy, but God does not extend his grace and his mercy to us as a way of saying, hey, go and keep sinning. Keep disobeying, keep doing whatever you want, You do you, do whatever feels right because you're covered by my grace. So just go and do whatever. That's not what God's grace says. God's grace is an invitation to stop sinning and to start obeying and to live in a way that honors and pleases God. 
We see this in Romans 6, starting in verse one. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How can those of us who have been made new in Christ and who are alive in Christ, how can we keep living in sin? And then a little later in Romans 6, Paul continues and he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Is there any area in your life where you have allowed or are allowing sin to reign and to have a hold on you? Is there maybe an area of sin that you've been justifying or you've been making excuses for or maybe you've been saying something like, well, I know it's sin, but God's such a God of grace and he loves me and he'll forgive me and it's okay just this once. The more that we truly understand God's grace and mercy and forgiveness, the more that we should actually desire to obey him and to honor him by how we live. And so is there an area in your life, ladies, where you need to obey God? And what would it take for you to obey him? What's keeping you from obedience? I wanna encourage you to pray and ask God for his grace and that his grace would lead you to obedience. So first we see God offers us second chances. Second, we see God's grace should lead us to obedience. And then the third thing I think we can learn is this and be encouraged by. People can change and sometimes that change actually happens quickly. After Jonah shares the message with Nineveh, the next sentence that we read says that the people of Nineveh believed God. And in the original Hebrew text, the word believed, where it says that they believed God, in the original Hebrew text, the word believed is actually the first word in the sentence. So it seems as though, from what we're told in this story, the Ninevites' response to believe God was quick. It was immediate. That's what it seems like. They quickly responded to God with belief. They acted, and then they acted on that belief by calling for a fast and by mourning. And even though the word repentance isn't actually used in Jonah chapter three, repentance is what we see happening. Repentance is what the Ninevites are doing. They are turning from their evil ways and they are turning toward God. Repentance is about a total life transformation. Repentance is saying, I was going in this direction, I was headed this way, but now I'm doing a total 180 and I'm changing directions and instead of going that way, I'm going this way. I'm going in the complete opposite direction. And so repentance is saying, I was headed down this path of sin and evil and disobedience, but I'm repenting, and I'm not just saying I'm sorry and gonna keep doing it, but I'm saying I'm sorry, forgive me, God, and I'm going in the opposite direction. I wanna live in obedience to God. So the Ninevites repent, and they change in a way that seems to happen pretty quickly, and it's a good reminder that people can and do change, because sometimes, and maybe you've, you've done this yourself, sometimes we can live with this mentality that says, well, change isn't really possible, or we look at someone in our life and we think, I mean, that person is beyond change. Like, nothing could change about this relationship. Nothing could change about this person. Change is not possible. Or we can say things like, well, change happens slowly. Change happens over time. We can use the phrase, change doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes it doesn't, 
but sometimes change does happen quickly and sometimes change does happen overnight. And what we see in the Ninevites' decision to believe God is that people can change, people do change, and sometimes change actually happens really quickly. And so what I would ask you and encourage you to think about is, is there anyone in your own life that you've given up hope on? Maybe it's a family member that you've tried to reconcile with for years and you're just at the point where it's like, nothing is ever gonna change. Like, this just is not gonna change. Or maybe it's a neighbor that you've been trying to have faith conversations with and invite to church and they keep saying no. Or maybe it's someone in your life, maybe it's someone close to you who's making bad decisions and you so wish that they would make good decisions, but you are unable to get them to make those decisions and you're just like, I don't think this person's ever gonna change. I think this person is always going to be that way. Or maybe it's you that you've given up on. Maybe there are areas of sin or unhealthy habits or things in your own life that you wish were different, that you know don't honor God, that aren't the best for you, that aren't healthy for you, but in some of those areas you've just succumbed to the belief that nothing's ever gonna change. This is how I am, this is how I've always been, this is how I'm gonna continue to be. Change is not possible. Where and how do you need to be reminded of the truth that people can change, circumstances can change, you can change with God's help. And sometimes that change happens quickly. Not all the time, but sometimes that change happens quickly. So keep praying and keep taking steps toward change in your own life as well as on behalf of others. And then finally, this is where we're gonna spend the most of our time tonight. Finally, the fourth thing I wanna encourage us with from Jonah 3 is something that is specifically for those of you here who are Christ followers. So if you're here and you are not a Christian, if you're here checking things out, a friend invited you, you're not sure what you think about Jesus, we are so, so glad that you are here. But what we're gonna spend the rest of our time talking about is really an encouragement and an exhortation for those who are committed to following Jesus. So at the start of this study, I think it was in week one, Coley had shared that we could basically look at the story of Jonah with a mirror and we could ask where and how do we see ourselves in this story? And so if we held up a mirror to Jonah chapter three, there are plenty of places and areas where we might be able to see ourselves in this story and for each of you that might be different. But for the remainder of our time tonight, I wanna focus on just one of the ways that I think as Christ followers, we can see ourselves in this story in Jonah chapter three. And so I wrote this quick little summary sentence of what I think we see going on in Jonah three. And so I wanna invite you to listen to this quick one summary sentence and then just see, do you notice any similarities or differences between you and what's going on in this story? So here's my sentence. God, I'll read this twice. God calls Jonah to go and to take a message to a people who are perishing. And after running away from this responsibility, Jonah goes, takes the message, and the people believe God. So that's my summary sentence for Jonah chapter three. So I'll read it one more time and see where or how you might see yourself in this. God calls Jonah to go and to take a message to a people who are perishing. And after running away from this responsibility, Jonah goes takes the message and the people believe God. So how, as Christ followers, might we see ourselves in this story? Has God ever called you, if you're a Christ follower, to go and to take a message to people who are perishing? And the answer to that is yes. For all those who call themselves Christ followers, 
God has called us to go and to take a message to those who are perishing. God has called you to go and take a message to those who are perishing. The Bible tells us in Matthew 28, go, there's the word go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as Christians, we are called to go and make disciples. And disciple simply means a student or a learner. So when we are called to go and make disciples, we're called to go and help people know and love and follow Jesus. Every Christ follower is called and even commanded to go and make disciples. Second Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says this. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message, there's your message, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you are a Christian, then according to what we just read, God has entrusted to you the message of reconciliation, the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And we as Christians are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. We as Christians are God's plan for reaching the world with the good news of what Jesus has done for us. So what we see in Jonah 3 is that God told Jonah to go and to take God's message to a people who were perishing and the truth is, God says the same thing to us. Go and take my message to a people who are perishing. And so the question for us as Christ followers is, will we go, will we obey like we see Jonah doing in chapter three, or will we run from God like we saw Jonah do earlier in the book of Jonah? Will we run from the responsibility that we have as Christians to carry out and to proclaim the message of hope that can only be found in Jesus. And so my fourth point for us today, and again, this is really for you as Christ followers, this fourth point is this. If you've been made alive in Christ, then God is sending you to preach to those who are perishing. If you have been made alive in Christ, then God is sending you to preach to those who are perishing. And even if you're sitting here thinking, I'm not a preacher, God is calling you as a Christ follower to preach to those who are perishing. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Ladies, how beautiful are our feet doing these days with preaching the good news? If you are a Christian, then you have been sent by God to share his good news with the lost and to be his light in this world. We are surrounded by people who are perishing. Jonah had the Ninevites who are perishing. We as Christ followers are surrounded by people who are lost and dead in their sin. And apart from Christ, they are perishing. But God wants to use us as his followers to share the good news of what Jesus has done with them. If you are a Christian, do you believe that God has entrusted to you his message of reconciliation? Do you believe that he actually wants you 
not just someone else, but he wants you as a Christ follower to go and share the gospel with those who are lost. Do you believe that just like God sent Jonah to the Ninevites, he has people that he actually wants to send you to and he wants you to be his representative and his ambassador. He wants to send you to people to share the gospel with them. If you have been made alive in Christ, then God is sending you to preach to those who are perishing. I feel so passionate about this for a couple reasons. I feel passionate about it because it's biblical. It's so clearly biblical that we are called to be on mission as Christ followers with God. But I also feel passionate about it because this is something that God has been doing in my own life and my own heart and teaching me over the last decade or so. And I don't think we ever arrive. I think we keep growing in this area, but God has been giving me a greater and greater heart for the lost and a deeper conviction to share the gospel with others. And so as we close, I wanna share with you guys three practical ways, three practical steps you can take to move forward in this. And these are things that I do in my own life and have done, I wanna share three practical steps that we can take as Christ followers to share the gospel with others, to share the gospel with people who are perishing. And so three things. The first is to pray. The first is to pray. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Pray, talk to God, and ask him to give you opportunities to share the gospel. This is something that I regularly pray in my own quiet times. I pray it for my kids. I pray it for my husband that God would use our family and give us opportunities to share the gospel. Pray regularly and ask God to bring non-Christians into your life. Pray and ask God to give you a heart for the lost and to give you a heart for those who don't yet know Jesus. If you're nervous, if you're afraid, if you're like, I don't think I have what it takes, I don't have all the answers, I don't think God could really use me, then pray about that. Pray that God would change and soften your heart and pray that he would give you boldness and strength and courage to go and do the work of an evangelist and to share the gospel with people. For me, and I shared this earlier, God has grown in me a heart for the lost and a deep, deep conviction about making evangelism a big priority in my life. And a lot of that started with prayer. A lot of that started probably a decade ago now when I was challenged by a sermon I heard here at Christian Assembly and I took time to pray and ask that God would give me open doors, that he would give me opportunities to share faith with non-Christians. And then he started answering those prayers and it's been a journey of growth since then and will continue to be a journey of growth. So pray, pray, pray. Pray that God will give you opportunities to share faith with others, that he would bring non-Christians into your life and pray that he would give you a heart for the lost and for those who are perishing. Second thing is to ask. So pray and then ask. And what I mean by this is ask people questions to figure out whether or not they are followers of Jesus. Do not assume that just because you meet someone at church or you meet someone at your women's Bible study table or because someone comes up to you after a weekend service and asks you to pray for them, don't assume that just because someone talks about God or talks about church that they are a Christian. I met with a gal in the last several months who wanted to get baptized. 
And you would, you, and I would assume that someone who wanted to get baptized had already given their life to Christ. But when I met with her, I asked her a bunch of questions and then came to realize she has not yet given her life to Christ. So I got to share the gospel and lead her in the salvation prayer. But the point of that is to say, I wouldn't have known any of that if I hadn't asked her very clear and direct questions about, hey, tell me about, have you given your life to Christ? Are you investigating faith? Did you have a moment in your life where you said yes to Jesus? You asked him to forgive you for your sins? Oh. You don't have that moment? Okay, are you ready? What's holding you back? What are your obstacles to faith? Ask questions. The best way to figure out if someone is or is not a follower of Jesus is simply to ask them. And so for me, when I meet with someone who I've connected with through Christian assembly. So if I meet with someone that I've connected with through church, maybe the partnership class, Bible study, I've met them at a weekend service, whatever it is, I make it a point to ask them about their faith journey. And so I might say something like, hey, so tell me about your faith journey. Has there been a point where you've said yes to Jesus as your savior? Or would you say that you're more investigating faith and checking things out? And then from there, I ask continued follow-up questions to help me clarify and understand, have they been saved by Jesus? Like, have they said yes to Jesus and asked him for forgiveness of their sins, or have they not done that yet? When people ask me to pray with them after a weekend service, I don't assume that they're Christians. They give me their requests, but I most of the time will say, hey, I'd love to pray for you. Can I just ask you, are you a Christian? Have you said yes to Jesus? Most of the time they have, but here's the thing. If they're coming for prayer for whatever it is in their lives, it could be really, really big. They think that's their greatest need, and I can pray for that. But if they're not yet a Christian, they actually aren't aware of their greatest need because what they want prayer for isn't actually their greatest need. Their greatest need is Jesus. But I don't know to share Jesus with them unless I ask them whether or not they know Jesus. When I meet people outside of church, like when I meet people through my kids and parents of, you know, my kids' friends at school and we're at like some birthday party or something like that, I shift my conversations a bit because I haven't met them through church, but in my mind, I am always trying to figure out what those people believe spiritually. And one of the best ways to do that is by asking them questions. And when I was driving over here, I actually had this thought of when I was single, and it's not the exact same thing, but it reminded me of this. When I was single and I met men, I was always trying to figure out if they were single or married. Why? I looked at their ring finger. Because if they were single, they could be a possibility. If they were married, not a possibility. So I was always trying to figure out, how do I engage with this person? Are they an option for me? It's similar to what I do here. Everyone I meet, I want to eventually know where do you stand spiritually. And so with people that I meet outside of church or um, like again, through my kids and parents at birthday parties and stuff, I just try somehow to incorporate church into the conversation. Sometimes it just comes up. Hey, did you grow up in the church? Do you attend a church? Do you have any familiarity with spiritual things? Sometimes I invite people to church. The reason I want to do this, it's not to sit in a place of judgment on people or say, oh, this person's a Christian, this person's not. The reason I do this, and I encourage you to do this, is because knowing whether or not someone is a Christian is going to help me best know how to disciple them going forward. 
I don't know how to disciple someone until I know, are you a follower of Jesus or aren't you? And as we read earlier in Matthew 28, our role as Christ followers is to go and make disciples. And that's not just, that's not just like a role that we put on sometimes and take off sometimes. I believe that role of disciple maker, it's a hat that we constantly wear in life. Everywhere we go, everything we do, we are called as Christians to be disciple makers. So ask people to tell you what they believe spiritually. And another thing I'd say on this is, if you do find out that someone you're connecting with doesn't yet know Jesus, I would encourage you to spend extra time with them in your schedule. Pray for them, invite them to church. There are a lot of people, as you know, ladies, that want your time, they want your care, they want your investment, and there's a lot of people that we could care for. But for me personally, when I know that someone I'm engaging with doesn't know Jesus, especially when I've met, well, yeah, when I know someone doesn't know Jesus, I try, and I don't do this perfectly, but I try to spend some extra time with them, and I'm reminded when I do that of how Jesus left the 99 sheep who'd been found, and he went and sought after the lost sheep, right? So we should try and give a little bit of extra time to those who are lost as a way of being able to disciple them and care for them. So pray, ask, and then third thing is share. And what I mean by share is share the gospel. Share the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Share it clearly, share it boldly, and ask if that person is ready to say yes to Jesus. If you are here and you do not know how to clearly articulate the gospel, I wanna encourage you, let this be your moment to decide that you're gonna get equipped. I had that moment in my own life as well. I feel way more equipped to share the gospel today than I did 10 or 20 years ago. And so I had to learn and I had to grow and I would encourage you to do the same thing. Learn how to articulate the gospel. Memorize it, be prepared and ready to articulate it so that you're ready and prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have whenever anyone asks you. And what I will say too is the more that you share the gospel and practice sharing it, the the more you're gonna feel prepared and ready to share it. If you don't feel equipped to share the gospel or if you don't feel equipped to lead someone in a prayer to give their life to Christ, um, one of the ways you can get prepared, and I've offered this before, I would be happy to send you some resources that I have. I've offered this to Bible study before, but I have some resources written up that were super helpful for me in getting prepared, and it's just an outline of how to share the gospel as well as how to lead someone through a prayer of giving their life to Jesus. And so feel free to email me or email women at cachurch.com, and I'd be happy to send that to you. Ladies, as Christ followers, we cannot save people. We know that, but we can't save people. Only God can save people. But as Christians, God uses us as a part of that process. God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation and our role in that is to pray and to ask and to share. And so with that, I wanna close us in a time of prayer. And even as I shared that as Christians, one of the things we need to do is just pray. Pray that God would give us opportunities. Pray for the lost. I wanna close in a time of prayer and so you can put your notes down or your journals down and take whatever posture is comfortable for you. But I wanna give us an invitation for those of you who are Christians as well as an invitation for those of you who haven't yet said yes to Jesus. Father God, thank you so much for what you've done for us, God. 
for those in this room who've said yes to you, Jesus. I thank you for saving us. I thank you for choosing us. And thank you, God, for the privilege and honor that it is to be your ambassadors, God. Thank you for trusting us with your message of reconciliation and for using us as broken and messed up as we are, Lord. Thank you for using us to reach the world with the good news of what you've done for us, Jesus. And so for those of you here who are Christ followers, I wanna encourage you to just spend a moment praying. And for some of you, this is a chance just to talk to God and to say, God, I don't know if I wanna be entrusted with the message of reconciliation. I'm nervous, this is how I'm feeling. For others of you, it might be, God, I want more opportunities to share the gospel. Would you give those to me? And so just however you wanna respond in this moment, I just encourage you to pray and ask God for whatever it is that you need in order to move forward as a Christ follower who is sharing the good news and the gospel with others. Father God, we see in Jonah that you entrusted to him your message and you sent him to go to a people who were doing evil and a people who were wicked and a people who were perishing apart from you, God. And Lord, you have called us as Christ followers to do that same thing. And so God, help us to do that call boldly. God, I pray for every Christian here, myself included, would your Holy Spirit fill us afresh and equip and empower us to boldly and clearly proclaim the good news of Jesus. May we never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Forgive us for any ways that we have been. Forgive us for any ways that we have run from you like Jonah did, Lord, and said, no, no, not me. I can't preach the good news. I can't be used by God. I don't have what it takes. God, I pray for each person here that you would grow in us a deep heart for the lost, a deep conviction to share the good news with those who aren't saved yet, God. And I pray for each of us here who are Christians that you would give us divine appointments with people at work, at church, in Bible study, at Starbucks, wherever it is in our daily lives, Lord. Show us where to go and who you want us to go to, Lord. And God, I pray even that you would do that so quickly, Lord, that there would be women here who pray that right now and have stories this coming week, Lord, of, oh wow, God brought this person in my life or I encountered this non-Christian and got to share the gospel. And so God, bring people who are lost into our lives and use us as your light. Use us as your ambassadors and your witnesses, Lord, and would everything we do be to honor and glorify you, God. 
And then I also want to speak to those of you here who are not yet Christ followers. Maybe a friend invited you, maybe you're checking things out, maybe you're not sure what church and following Jesus is all about. But here's the good news and the gospel. Ladies, for each and every one of you, God created you on purpose and for a purpose. He loves you, he values you, he has purpose for you, he longs to be in a right relationship with you. But God's word tells us that we've all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And sin just means we miss, we've missed the mark. None of us have lived up to God's standards. None of us have obeyed perfectly. None of us ever could. The Bible tells us that the wages for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so God the Father sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come down to earth and live a perfect and obedient life that we could never ever live. And Jesus lived a perfect and obedient life and he went to the cross, he took all of our sins upon himself, he paid the penalty we owe so that we don't have to and he died on the cross for our sins. And then he rose three days later. And everyone who places their faith in Jesus, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. They will be made right with God, forgiven for their sins and receive the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is the good news of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And so if you have never said yes to Jesus, if you are ready to do that now, and even when I say the word ready, I don't mean you have to have all the answers or that you have to have it all figured out or you've read the whole Bible or you get everything that's going on. If you right now want to say, God, I don't get it all, but I believe that you died for my sins, Jesus, and I wanna be forgiven and made right with God, and I wanna follow you all the days of my life, then I want to encourage you, don't let this moment pass you by, and I wanna encourage you to pray right now just as a way of confessing that Jesus is Lord, because the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so if you wanna say yes to Jesus for the first time, you can simply pray this, you can pray it aloud, you can pray it under your breath, but you can just say, God, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Forgive me for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and he paid the penalty I owe so that I don't have to and he rose three days later. God, forgive me for my sins and I am placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I am committing to follow you, God, all the days of my life. And if you prayed that prayer, ladies, for the first time, we welcome you into the family of God. We celebrate your new life in Christ. You now have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You have been forgiven for your sins and made new because of what God has done for you. And he still has a lot of work to do in and through you, which is deciding to follow Jesus is literally the best decision you can make. So if you did make that decision, please tell me or Coley or Tanya, let your women's Bible study leader know, but we would love to celebrate with you. So let me pray as we close. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the good news of what you've done for us, Jesus. Help us never to weary of hearing the gospel. Help us never to grow tired of remembering and being reminded of all that you've done for us, God, and all the times that we think we can save ourselves or do it on our own or we've got it figured out. God, forgive us for that. Forgive us, forgive me, God, for ways I try to 
earn your love and forgiveness and grace, God, and just help us as Christ followers to walk in your grace and to remember, Lord, what your word says in Ephesians, that it is by grace through faith that we have been saved, that it is not our own doing. It is only by you, God, not by works, so that no one can boast. God, we love you. Send us out as your ambassadors and your representatives. God, help us to go and faithfully proclaim your gospel to a world that's perishing. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in your great name, Jesus. Amen.